Hi, and welcome to the 11th episode of Keen Minds, and our third full episode of the hiatus project that we're working on. We are delving into the first of three parts in which we're tackling the hardest issues between Elizabeth and Tom Keen. These are going to be a lot of uh, a lot of things that the fandom tends to argue about, and what we see is a lot of differing opinions of it. And so this is going to be Tessa's and mine's opinion on these. Um, and we're really excited to get into this because, well, I, I, I definitely love the. We love <laughs> We have a slight tinge of of uh, masochism. <laughs> yeah that's that's probably accurate <laughs> yeah and um and I, I think that in this we haven't been saying this lately but it's probably a good thing to remind our listeners of of who we are in terms of of fandom i am tessa i'm i have a blog criminally insane criminally sane and i am a theorist i am not a shipper I, I love the kings individually or together, but not because I ship them. I love them because to me they represent every single one of the themes of the show. And I'm Jen, uh, a.k.a. Takata Psycho, on all the various sites online. And I am a shipper. I'm a Keen Squared shipper. And I also delve quite a bit. I'm also a writer, so I do a lot of uh, character development is really my forte. And so... I love the development in uh, between Tom and Liz and with the various characters on the show and redemption arcs are some of my very favorites. So and we got a big one here. Well, I mean, cuz you have the redemption arc for Tom within himself, but you also have the umbrella redemption arc for the Keens together because they're mm-hmm. both as much as people love to put it all on Tom there was a oh, no. lot between Liz and Tom, but both parties were at fault. We can talk about the various levels of fault, but even before everything came out, Liz was not a perfect angel in their marriage. A lot no. of that that uh, self-centeredness, the... the um, the word I'm looking for. Um, narcissistic tendencies. The, the narcissistic tendencies that she spoke about in the pilot... Uh, you know, and that we've seen, we saw I mean, that in I, their marriage. We definitely saw that showing very strongly in their marriage uh, when when she was focused in on, uh, she. you could tell it was coming up when in the pilot she said, I'm not going to let this new job get in the way of our family. You believe me, right? And he's like, yeah, sure, honey. You know? mm. and well, so- I, I think it's important when we talk about, about Liz is to remind ourselves because I think some people tend to gloss over this, her own profile of herself. My colleagues call me sir. They think I'm a bitch. Like most kids who raise themselves, I can display narcissistic behavior. I can be withdrawn, disconnected. I have a deep yearning to understand and relate to the criminal mind. Whoops, because you left behind that you actually are a thief and you grifted and you have done what whatever you have done. Um, and relate to the criminal mind. I'm board certified in forensic psychology, and yet I operate under the delusion that I can rewrite my past by having kids of my own. So she's not even saying, hey, I'm just this do-goody 
girl. No, and it gets glossed over quite a bit uh, from what I've seen in the fandom. From I tend mm-hmm. to talk to, to all, every corner of the fandom, shippers, non-shippers, Lizingtons, Keenlers, Keen Squared, folks that don't ship at all, folks that don't ship any, don't ship Liz with anybody particularly, you know, their main ship is something like Saram. You know, I, I have a wide variety of people I talk to because that's that's how theories are born. That's how you figure things out is you bounce ideas off people and you get a wider view and a wider thought process on things. And so it's it's interesting to see mm. how everyone views Liz. And so this this series that we're doing here with Tom and Liz is definitely Tessa's and mine's personal approaches to Liz mm. and Tom. Yeah, and I think that that one of the things that distinguish, and I've seen that what people tend to ship or think about the show, it's it's not so much who Tom is or who Wrestler is, or it's about how they view Liz, and I think that is a fundamental difference. I think keen to shippers and people who ship most of the theories tend to see Liz as a deeply gray character yes i i would agree with that uh just from what i've seen that that tends to be that she, we don't tend to see her and, and this isn't a knock to anybody's ship by the way i just want to kind of throw that it's out a, there because it is it is a way it's viewed yeah uh from, from what i've seen uh i mean the majority of keen square chippers that i know don't view her as any sort of damsel in distress that needs saving that needs protection particularly you know, we view her as a very strong female role who has been thrown into a very difficult situation and has a lot of darkness of her own that she's wading through and coming to accept parts of herself that she, sh- you know, that she needs to. And in doing that, learning to balance herself rather than trying to shift all the way to the white, you know, end of the, the black and white spectrum. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that the damsel in distress, um, uh, people who see her as a damsel in distress tend to ship all the things and tend to see her as a do-gooder that got sidetracked by red and, and was easily always a person who did things by the rules. I think that's what she said. And I think you mentioned in another one of our podcasts a very interesting thing about Liz, the way she talks about some and the way she acts towards some are very different yes her the way she portrays certain things and and her actions sometimes tend to clash i think a lot of times liz has spent a lot of time under her own masks of what she wants to be when she decided she wanted to become a profiler i think she just sort of settled into this persona of the law-abiding citizen she married a teacher sweet and innocent you know um what was it she, she made a comment at one point she goes tom wait you know tom is underpaid and overworked and yet he wakes up every morning with a smile on his face because he's just a good guy or something like i mean that's he doesn't live in the terrible world we yeah. do yeah and so i mean i i think that while well i think that she was actually attracted to the man underneath the persona of tom keen you know, to, to Tom at his core, I think that basically <laughs> the masks that both of them were wearing matched. And then the people underneath those masks also matched. Right. They, they have shed at this point the masks they were wearing and found that they, they work well together. 
I, I agree at 100% there. Um, do we want to start in from uh, from the beginning with Tom and Liz? And uh, we're, we're going Let, through... Um, let's do good. So basically yeah. what we're doing now is talking on the pre... On, on a general, what do we think about Liz? Because I think sometimes people delve into into the like the scenes and, and, and the things said, and they tend to forget about the action sometimes matter more than that. So basically what we're doing is talking about the before. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the actions in a show that is just, you know, <laughs> chest deep in spycraft and lies and misdirection and red herrings and everything that the blacklist is, you have to look at actions because actions are going to always speak louder than words. You know, Tom sat there in the middle, you know, while she was interrogating him in their dining room after, you know, the, the Popovich brothers dropped him off, you know, duct taped and tied mm-hmm. to the chair and told her that, you know, basically that, that he felt sorry for her, that he, you know, implying that he never loved her and this and that. And then, you know, Every, anybody that liked them at that point, their heart was breaking during that moment because it sounded true. And yet you see, as things pan out, you don't know till later that he's trying to help her when he, you know, when he kidnaps her at gunpoint. You know, best laid plans. Gotta love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, that's going to be an interesting one. Don't, yeah. don't well, miss that one. We will get there. We promise. Um, mm-hmm. That is definitely on the agenda. But, you know, you see, especially in season two is when it really, when she releases him from the boat, you start to see him, that that he may have said those words. It's kind of like the words he said to Red that we went over a, a couple of mm-hmm. podcasts ago. When when he said, you know, Lizzie's dug her own hole. When she threw me in that hell hole, we were done. I'm done. I'm not coming to save her. The words were being spoken. What were the actions? He hopped on a plane. He burned his identity, the, the Christoph Mannheim mm-hmm. identity, and he went to the feds didn't go to bud he didn't go to anybody else he went to the feds because elizabeth Keene needed him and so exactly. the actions are always going to speak Worse. louder than words in this and show you with have, and you have to look. yeah we have you have to look in every single character for the actions and i think then let's let's start from our first because i think the first thing you have to speak is from the for, from the time red hires tom until the time Red fires him because their relationship became intimate. Because there's not a lot that we know about that time. Very little. We know that Red and Tom never physically met during that point. Correct. Um, and And that he hired him to be a friend of a friend at a distance and keep an eye on her. I think Mm -hmm. that's really all we know. Well, there is an, an, a little incident in, in timing because the timing of the blacklist, the timeline is very interesting. Uh, and at that particular time, Liz, this is a little either right on time or a little after. Liz has that suicide attempt that she speaks of when she's undercover as Angela in Dr. Lena's Creel. And that she did this because Frank was uh, cheating on her. I find interesting that that is the moment that Red uh, chooses to get Tom helping her or making sure that she's safe. So there is something there also besides the the fact that Red was getting in trouble and his his assets and his business were being attacked and he thought to protect his vulnerabilities. But the timing also tells me 
Red was concerned. A suicide attempt in a girl that you erase her memories because she shot you and whatever else happened that night, it's something to be concerned. Oh, absolutely. We, we've talked about before that we don't know. I mean, it'd be great if anybody that listens has psychological training and has something to weigh in on this. That'd be fantastic. But, I mean, not that anybody gets their memories erased like Red did, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is actually true, though. In general, um, <laughs> that, you know, that someone that's not able to go through in a healthy fashion and cope with those memories because they've been repressed and yet is expected to act like a functioning member of society without any issues. You know, a normal person, Liz never had a chance, honestly, and from, from yes, what I, mean, I could I, see. I think she's done pretty well. So Red, he, got, he gets involved with Tom. Tom meets her. They meet in this restaurant in Georgetown. They must have been visiting because she was living in New York at the time. And, uh, or maybe not, maybe they didn't. That, that whole bit right there is incredibly confusing because you have met met in a coffee shop in georgetown she's supposed to be living in new york with the um the uh what mobile division? unit yeah but the mo- she the has mobile graduated list. then no she she has not gone to quantico yet no no and even graduated from she graduate uh she already had met tom or that's about the right time when she graduates. So it is entirely possible that she went to school in Washington, D.C. Because also remember, she was dating Nick and Nick was in D.C. So it's entirely possible that they were in D.C. When she graduates, they both move to Rochester, New York. Because it's not New York, New York. It's Rochester. Um, that the streets coincide, the developments coincide, all that coincide. So it's, it's Rochester, New York, not New York, New York. I will take your your opinion on uh, New York <laughs> down here in Texas. You know? <laughs> it all sounds the same. <laughs> I know, compared to you guys, we're tiny. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you drive eight hours, you're still in the same state here. <laughs> or in the same county. Uh, um, could be so in some places. <laughs> Red Firestorm, and we're talking about maybe 2008 that we've Red Fires. Let me look at here. Um, and, uh, I think Red, they met in 2010. 2010. And, Red, and that's, they were about 10, 11 when Red fires him. And Around, around the time that they, uh, they got engaged seems to be when, when Red fired him. Yeah. So the, the probably with the – I have a, I, my head count on this is it, that when Tom goes to, to Paris, he goes and, and Red fires him. I've I've got a very similar headcanon that he went to, that somehow at some point Berlin reached out to him about that time period, right after he got fired, found that out and reached out to him, and that he went to Paris to basically offer up his services as a a, uh, double agent, Mm. you know, to protect Liz and that he was brushed off. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to confirm that, but that's my lovely little headcanon running there. Well, I, about that, that entire um, how Berlin hired Tom has some discrepancies in the stories, both told by Red to Liz, what Red and the Major discussed, what Red and Tom discussed. Um, so there is in what Berlin and Red discussed and what the 
Fitch and Red discuss. So there are always a little detail that is off that to me is something that will be picked up later and will prove to be significant. Um, but at any rate, um, because Red says to the major, the, Berlin offered you twice for the for the services and you allow him to turn. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how Berlin got to have Tom's contract, but he did. So here we are. Tom has married. Uh, they're engaged. He goes to Las Vegas, but is true. Go and truly, he goes to Paris, and they are engaged. And he, he's working for Berlin. So, what are your thoughts on on where the characters are at that point in time? At that point, I mean, we've already made comments before in prior prior podcasts that Berlin didn't seem interested in hurting Liz. And I think that's probably, I, I would assume Tom was ready for that to be a scenario. And I mean, if he'd already burned Raymond Reddington, I don't think he was going to have any issue turning on on Berlin. I mean, it's, I mean, he <laughs> read his proven how dangerous he was and I don't care what Tom said to Jesse when when he was over the spider tattoo guy um you know when he said you know your boss is is um what's the line uh yeah. your, your boss is I the, the thing I work for is uh the guy I work for is he's more cautious more controlled yeah. and he's far more ruthless and I don't agree with that like I think that he was just bluffing there I think that he is well well aware how dangerous red is i think he downplays it as i mean because what else is he gonna do yeah i'm terrified of this man you know i mean because he admits to red how terrified he was at one point and that was that's the only time we actually get it and that's the one time i actually believe him when he's talking about red to other people Mm -hmm. i mean liz seems to think he underestimates red and obviously he seemed to underestimate red to jesse but I think That's a little they, testosterone talking. Yeah. They do well, have I, a bit of a... Red, red people, people towards Red tend to have two very opposite things. Either they are terrified of Red or they're completely underestimate Red until he comes right in their faces and, you know, with one of those crazy smiles and their people are like, okay, bad choice. And then they get a bullet to the head or the chest or yeah. whatever he feels like. Or they have to sing songs in the woods or whatever. Oh terrifying things happen to them but I think that then you're right and and one thing that, that we have to establish is canon is that Tom got with Liz because he fell in love with Liz we have the major saying it to him we got Gina saying it to him that she she was dumped because of Liz so there is no no room to say oh he's doing something he's undercover no that is that is the truth. That is established in canon. Absolutely. 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 And, I mean, you've got this man who we have been told time and time again had never known love, did not understand love, and he's struggling through these new emotions. And I'm trying to remember exactly. I, I'm not going to be quoting Knopf verbatim here, but he was talking in an interview at one point, and he said something about, you know, someone like this has never known love, that when suddenly he finds himself in love, it's – the reaction's going to be kind of odd, kind of like this, That's you know. That's yeah, It was Nof, yeah. Um, you know, like... like The blacklist exposed. Was it? Okay. But it was yeah, kind of like being interview. sick, I think, is what he, the comment he made. Yeah. You know, it was you, like... You would think that you're sick. Yeah. And so, because he doesn't know what it is. 
And so I think it probably took time, to, took Tom time. Wow, I'm trying <laughs> to say that ten times fast. Um, to to one real, you know, realize what was going on, mm-hmm. and then two, admit it to himself. And I I would assume that he spent quite a bit of, and, and he kind of indicated this when they were discussing it in the. Um, in the the first uh, interrogation she had with him in the dining mm-hmm. room, or he said, you know, I wanted it to to uh, I, I wanted it not to work, but it did, and I just felt sorry for you. And I think that there was probably a lot of that going on. He was like, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I should not be attracted. My job is not to get involved. Yeah, my this is not my job. My job is everything. Why am I pulled to this woman? Because I I've always had a bit of a headcanon that for Tom. Sex was just sex before Liz. You know, there was, I'm sure that he and Gina had a lot of fun, but there were never any emotional connections. And that comes from the, the conversations with not, you know, about Knopf and, and such that he said that you never loved before. Yeah, but then, yeah, one of the things about that interesting is that you remember Gina's faces watching him getting in the church to be married. That was heartbreaking. I think that the major had a couple of defective, or he wasn't as good doing doing this this uh, this um, oh, uh, I, training. I know that Gina had deeper feelings for for Jacob before. I mean, when she went after Liz, when you was it, it takes a hard mm-hmm. man to kill someone with a knife. She she could have shot her, but she wanted that that close in hand to hand. She wanted to slit her throat. It was all about. You took him from me. Mm-hmm. Even if she had no idea what she was doing. Oh, no. And that, that's what I, I... I feel like Gina was that way there, and I feel like Tom probably went went through quite a bit of that at the beginning mm-hmm. of the relationship of not understanding why he was doing the things he was doing. But, you know, suddenly he's having dinner probably... with her. Suddenly he's going and having drinks with her. He's walking her home. He's helping her cheat on her boyfriend, you know. I, and I think, that, I think that there is something there that Tom found... A reason, and I am. A, I have my my own ideas that Rhett never asked him. Like, why did you get involved? But I have a feeling that when Tom got involved, it was. Um, I'm gonna say probably three parts of his own being attracted to, without really understanding what was going on, because you know love will feel like you're sick. Um, but a, a quarter of that would be his. That he saw something in the guy she was dating because remember at that time she was dating somebody I think is Nick. Um, because then he mentioned that you know I saw you and you're in in your underwear making coffee in her house or something like that. So I think that there was something in there that he saw that he he at least rationalized it to himself that he was doing his job by getting Liz away from, from this man. Oh, if absolutely. If it was or somebody else. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what I mean when, when I say that I think that he went, that, that he didn't quite know and quite admit to himself what was going on. Exactly what you just said, that he rationalized it. And then by the time he figured out, he was too far in. He was head over heels for her. It was the first woman he's ever loved. And suddenly he was willing to betray Raymond Reddington. He was willing to take on the Berlin job to protect her. And I'm sure that he told himself time and time again, when it comes down to it, I'll tell her. I will, you know. But this is a man 
that has been, he obviously doesn't like, at that point, I don't think he probably liked who he was under the masks, because otherwise, how would you be able to spend that much, why, why would you, that, that was the selling point for Bud, I can teach you to be anybody, mm-hmm. and so Jacob Phelps was not overly interested in being himself. In fact, Jacob Phelps in uh, in Tom Keen was an identity developed not to attract Liz. Liz was not attracted to the little loser, uh, you know, nerdy school teacher. Don't dis nerds. Don't dis nerds. <laughs> I don't dis them, but that's what you know. She was going for the bad guys. She was going for Frank. Uh, the cheater and and from Bronnie the cheater and Frank the grifter, Liz had no place in her little gray heart for nerdy school teacher who takes his lunch in a lunchbox. <laughs> there, there was this was there was nothing in what Tom had created this character that was designed to attract Liz. In fact, if anything else, it was he was designed to be the friend, you know, that it, Liz would never even look at him twice. It, so there, there is so much in there that happened that was out of his control. He had designed, he's, he's an expert in designing a persona that fits the, 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 the problem he's at. And Tomkin was perfect for what he had to do, protect Liz from a distance. And he got involved with her, and he started falling for her. And I'm sure that he was telling himself, "I'm just doing this because it's my job. I'm I'm doing my job. I'm I'm good at this." Then, I think that when Red fired Tom, Tom, I'm sure that Red never told him, like we said in the previous podcast, ne- Red never told him, "Hey, you know what? Uh, this is my daughter. We're protecting here." Um, and so make sure that she's safe. I'm sure T- Rhett told him something like, there is somebody I need protecting because they're important for my business. And I, you need to keep an eye on her, make, keep her safe for me. So what is Tom left to think when he fires him because he got involved with her? This guy is using this woman because he never even allowed me to say, hey, you know what? I did this because nothing. Out. You're gone. And now I, Rhett Reddington, it's my enemy. So there's going to be something to be said for somebody who's willing to do that without even understanding his love. Oh, absolutely. And that that's one of the, I, I will admit, that's one of the things that draws me to Tom is the fact that he was willing to give up in the end. And it took him a while to get here, but that's that's character development. If everybody was there all at once, it would be a really boring story. But he was willing to give up everything he'd known up until 14 years old when the major picked him up he had nothing he was struggling with just trying to survive he had stolen a car and credit cards and was on the run you assume from chicago since his file said chicago to somehow he got to new york city i don't know if he drove the car all the way there if he stole it from his foster family who knows drove the car there and was he got picked up stealing purses on the street if bud had not picked him up he would have been in juvie that day because Mm -hmm. the guy was catching up to him and so bud was the first person in his life as far as we can tell that said 
maybe you have something to give. And suddenly he was giving everything to him. He gave everything to the job. He gave, he was useful. For the first time in his life, he was accepted for the first time in his life for a skill set that he had that he developed to be useful. That was everything. A promo came out season two, uh, I think when, when he was under the Christoph Mannheim persona. Mm-hmm. And one, you know, it was like Tom Keen, this, this, and this. And one of the things was, this man loves his job. And that's true. That was all he had in life. Mm-hmm. That was everything. And time and time and time again, he has been willing to give that up for Liz. Yeah. I, that I always, is, that's impressive to me. Yeah. I always I always say that, that, you know, as much as people say that wrestler and him has nothing, nothing in common, that's not true. They both have a, a deep commitment to the job. The job is defined differently. Their rules are defined differently. But the commitment to the job is very similar. Uh, so we're we're here. They they got married. Berlin thinks that he married Liz as a job. He can't tell Berlin I'm in love with this woman, or Berlin will not trust him. So two years pass. He hears nothing from Berlin. He has this little code book. He sends information about you know it was it what they ask about Liz, which you know could be somebody else asking about Liz through Berlin. But that's what he's sending. He has heard nothing. And then and that Red must, comes in. That must have been incredibly easy for him just to slip into that persona and and just kind of ignore the fact it's ever going to come to head at any point. And, you know, how much easier it got at that point to go, I can live out the rest of my days with her. I can yeah. marry her. I, I can grow old with this woman. And I think he did get to that point where he was like, He's just never going to show up, and nothing's ever going to happen. And I've got my picket fence that I never knew I wanted. We're about to adopt a child together. We're, you know, I, and that that became his reality. And I don't think before that he ever wanted it, but suddenly when he had it, he did want it. I, I think that, that in that adoption lays one of the reasons Red came into Liz's life. I think it was that child to be adopted. Um, they always say, you know, when Red has a way of always ask, answering actually something that is a, 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 a real answer, just that it doesn't look like the answer the way he says it and the way he changed the subject later. But when Liz asked him, he said, um, two years ago, your husband reached to a, a forger that I know and got three passports. And Liz interrupts him. That's it, he got passports. So Red drops it. But that is the reason he's giving for coming into his life, into her life. Why? It makes no sense if the passport were for, or, or for Tom. Tom going would have been like, yay, I got rid of him now. Once he's gone, I can kill him and you know, my secret is safe and I'm sure she will recover. Yet, the, he comes and starts doing this, gives up his freedom because of those three passports telling him Liz is in danger. In danger of what? Berlin, obviously, is not hurting. He doesn't know who Berlin is, but he's obviously not hurting Liz because they've been married for two years. Tom has been following Liz for another two years, so that's four years together. Nothing has happened. Tom is not a danger for Liz, and obviously Berlin is not a danger for Liz. Otherwise, he already knows her. He knows where she is. He could get her. 
So those three passwords, there is no other explanation that fits except those three passwords for, for list, Tom, and a baby. You know, you're going to adopt a baby. A baby's a baby's a baby. They're going to say, undress the baby, make sure it's a boy. It's a baby. They yeah. all look alike, you know. <laughs> Take the picture, swaddle the baby. Nobody's going to know. Um, so I think that's what it was. I think that's what precipitated on Red that they were that Tom was thinking of running with Liz, and to run with Liz, he had to have thinking about telling Liz. Yeah, and and like I said, I do think that he probably had had times again and again in which he wanted to tell her. One time in particular that I really think that he was about to tell her was when he found out that she found the go box. Because um, you see him staring at it, and he calls her. He doesn't, like, the box is there. And the first thing he does is call her. And he, makes and he doesn't have a plaid shirt then when he makes the first call. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but but he, he sounds like, I don't remember the exact lines, but I remember it, it sounds like he's been trying to call her all day. I think he makes a comment like that, saying something to the extent of, I've been trying to reach you. And she just assumes it's because she missed the ultrasound with their friend Jenny and the baby they're about to adopt. And so basically, Liz is brushing off. She's like, I understand this is a big deal, but there's a situation, there's a case, I'm sorry I missed it. We'll talk about it when I get home. And he's like, no, this is important, I need to talk to you now. Basically, it sounds like she thinks it's about the adoption, which she does, and she's brushing that off for the job. And so she's willing to brush off their unborn child how on earth is she going to accept, even if he came to her and said, babe, we need to talk. I need to tell you a horrible secret that I've been keeping, and I need you to trust me on this. How on earth can he trust her to trust him on that if she's willing to brush off their child? He can't. And I think that's not, the point where he was like, I can never tell her. Not only that, but look at Red, who's also terrified of telling her. Listen, I, I hired Tom. He is trying to go as much as he can without telling her that little secret, even though Demba tells him, you got to tell them the whole thing. You tell her the whole thing by telling you telling about Tom by telling her the whole thing. He's not doing that. So, And, and once you see Liz in a rage, you kind of get an idea that that's not something you brush. Before you throw that coffee cup at me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I exactly. really, I, I want flashbacks to, to, you know, domestic keens before everything came out. I really want to know when she threw that coffee cup at him. <laughs> How about, I'm standing in pee. Did you take the dog out? You know, she's demanding. She's, she's, she may be very sweet and she has sweet things about her, but she's not a little flower. She's demanding and, and as she says, she's narcissistic. She is all about her. And, and Tom takes that. I think that what you say is true. They fell in love with the real person underneath the mask, the goody agent and the, and the goody nerdy teacher. That's who they, the mask they were. And Liz and Tom were underneath, and they fell in love with the real in spite of the, of the mask, even though the mask kind of matched. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. And so you've got the the silence of Berlin, like we were saying, you know, that that really makes the complacency. It brings about the complacency. And then it leads into Zamani. That is that is also a parallel to read in um, in the Kings of the Road. 
He's so happy with Liz and telling stories, you know. Sure, it's a bad situation, but Ray can make the best of a bad situation, and he gets complacent, and he gets taken. Same as, as Tom, because I'm sure he wasn't expecting a Zamani to come in there and overpower him and tie him to a chair. He spent a lot of time tying him to a chair in season one. Tied to a chair and duct taped. Like, that mm. man spent so much time duct taped, it's not even funny. I just... Well, then he uses it again when he gets shot and he ties the, the cowboy yeah. with duct tape. Duct tape is like one of the essential tools of spice. Apparently so. There's this great <laughs> scene in... Um in a show that Ryan, in a movie that Ryan was in called B-Side. It's an indie film that he did. Um, but there's <laughs> a scene with him with duct tape over his mouth, and it's a goofy scene, and, like, someone's coming at him with, you know, sharp object, and he's, got, mm-hmm. and he's goofing off and making a face. But it's so funny, because as soon as the roomie and I saw that, we are like, the duct tape! Someone duct taped <laughs> him again! <laughs> Is it is it restless cars and 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 Tom and the dog tape exactly? They each got their own thing. Um, Don't let wrestler drive. Never let wrestler drive. Um, Red crashes. I always say to me that image of Red surrendering is like a seven four seven crashing into your living room and then stopping very smoothly, getting off and says good afternoon. You know, with the destruction and all that, and getting off with a bottle of wine. Would you like some wine? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I feel like that's that's one thing I kind of want to touch on is the pilot when chaos comes down on them because they're late for work, mm. or you know, they're late for work the first day. Her first day on the job, late, running, chaos. Tom says and seven minutes. Was- I don't believe she got through that shower in seven minutes, but not looking like she did when she walked out. But she walks out. She looks great. He's like, his hair's doing the poofy thing. <laughs> but, um... Am I the only one who thinks that maybe Red uh, got his friend, the one he has at the, at the electric uh, company, to make sure that they were very late? That and day? it might be. You've mentioned that before, and I I am on board with that theory. But... I just, I love it that they're, you know, they're getting ready to go to work and suddenly this helicopter flies over. And I can't help but think that Tom looked up and his pre-caffeinated brain goes. I think he knew, oh my God, Reddington is here. Oh no, I think that he thought they had found him. <laughs> and so, I don't, you thought that? That is interesting. I never got that feeling. I, I don't think he knew it was Red at first. I really don't think that crossed. And, you know, and that's more of a joking thing. I don't know if he actually was thinking that or not. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he thought it was Reddington. Because if he did, if he thought it was Reddington, I think he would have been more ready for Zamani. True. True. Very true. Or maybe uh, what amazed me, and that's when I saw that the, the, the reaction of those two, uh, when the helicopter comes in and she says, "Baby, I don't, th- babe, I don't think I need the car," and I thought, "Oh, neither one of these two is what they look to be. <laughs> she is not this goody-do girl. There is something there, deep and dark. And this man is for sure not a teacher." Uh, I I got my first indication. I mean, and like I've mentioned before, I came into the fandom. It was airing halfway through season two. And so, like, obviously the fandom had found out that there was something sketchy about Tom. And so I had heard, uh, my, my 
theory as I moved through season one was that he was CIA. That was my very first theory about Tom was CIA. <laughs> I love uh, that one. I, I believe that's been disproven by this point. I know that you've mentioned <laughs> that you wonder if he, you know, ever got snatched up by the, Again, by the spooks. <laughs> remember how we were talking about if somebody is in the intelligence, they are, they are things they cannot say. And I, my head canon is he was got at one time somebody they got him and they said either you go to jail or you go to um, or you become an agent for us and I think he did. You know, time will tell. It's no. a crazy theory. One of the many. Oh not my not God. all crazy, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of them are. I'm in the no illusions. <sighs> Let's let's talk about you were you were going in in you know they're crashing there they have the keys and they're so you know they're like great and now this is with with Cooper. What did you thought about those scenes with Cooper and 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 Liz and she's you know getting ready to meet Tom to meet Red. I I thought that it was very much she was out of her element mm-hmm. um she was i think she had spent so much time pretending to be the goody goody that it made her very nervous that that was all about to get shattered i mean because mm-hmm. you see her as she's sitting there talking to cooper she's rubbing her hands mm-hmm. she's very nervous she's rubbing this car yeah she's super nervous sitting there so i think that you know i mean they're doing deeper checks on her and she knows this she knows that they're checking into it the and, things that she hasn't said to anybody, like she's adopted. I do wonder later if that crossed her mind again when everything came up with the box. And um, and she said they're going to tear our lives apart. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was part of it for her. That, you know, it wasn't so much him. Is what are they going to find on me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what secrets are they going to find on me? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think that, that she had certain things that she wanted to hide and that thrust her it thrust all of her her grayness into the light you know that that it was not all of it obviously but you know Mm. a a lot of things that she was suddenly under a microscope and it was interesting it was definitely interesting to see that because we don't see it with tom yet and then she goes home and zamani she's stressed she's tired she walks in there are balloons, Hello. there's, yeah, balloons, celebration. I mean, because Tom got all of that put together. He put, I mean, because dinner was on the table. Mm-hmm. So he was expecting her home at any time. Champagne. She She's so focused on this that she walks straight past him, tied to the chair, to the champagne, has the champagne poured, turns around before she realizes what's going on. And that is a very telling thing of what you were saying before, how Liz's actions and words are have such a dichotomy she is focused on this and meanwhile she's not seeing you know why is he not turning around why is he not uh, saying anything why you know is he just letting me go and, and to be fair i mean tom at that point and tom to all points just kind of lets her go sometimes on it and lets her finish her her ramblings either ramblings or rants or whatever she's doing happy sad and anywhere in between and lets her uh, finish sh- before he actually tries to get a word in yeah. it twice well i think that that red also learned that lesson pretty fast just let her go and you don't even need to lie to her because she makes she tells stories and she answers herself and she make a three theories and give you an answer and it, you only have to just stay Smile. there quiet yeah and that's Smile. it she does the rest yep exactly and yeah. i 
I just, the, the whole Samani scene was very interesting. One of the things that I found the most interesting there, Tom is tied to the chair. He's duct taped over the mouth. He can't speak. He's been beat to hell. Um, glasses, heaven knows where. And, and he's sitting there and he looks at Liz and as she's trying to comfort him, he has a look on his face, and he looks at her, and he starts giving her this look like, don't you say a word. Do not, you know, it wasn't a don't worry about me look, but it was it was one of those, like, if you had two spies sitting there, and one was getting tortured, you know, don't give anything up for me sort of thing. And that's the look he gave her. And that, that was the point that I said, well, he's not just a school teacher, you know. <laughs> there is so much more to this man than meets the eye. And I thought it was interesting too that um, one a lot of people don't don't really analyze what Red said to Zamani. Says, you know, did you visit uh, Agent? Did you visit uh, Agent Keen? And he says, as you asked. Did you end up and the husband as you asked? So obviously we know that what he asked about Tom was, you know, beat him up and make sure he bleeds over that over that uh, the hutch on the floor. But I think the also the thing that he did with Liz was a designed for two things because as everything with Red is ever always complicated and complex. One to make sure that Liz got into a raging anger and did something to physical to him. He was sure he was he, she was going to do it, stab him in the neck is what he did. She did. The second thing. Zamani says, you have a choice here. You say one American or many Americans. I think that was red final test to see if Liz really loved Tom. If she had said, oh, no, my job is to save many Americans and let him bleed and go after Zamani, uh, then Zamani, then Red knew that she didn't care about Tom and she could get rid of Tom in any time that he wanted that's really interesting. I'd never thought about it that way, but that's that's a really good point, and it sounds very much like something Red would do as a test. I mean, because that's not a direct test, but it does allow the information to come forward. And something uh, with, the, with the pin stabbing, um, besides mm-hmm. the awesome comment from Red in the next episode, do you have a thing about stabbing people with pins in hotel rooms? <laughs> but I find it very interesting in that episode, and then it's paralleled again in season two. And then we, we've continued to see that lovely defensiveness of him. That uh, she is always willing to defend Tom, no matter how pissed she is at him. She can be screaming and raging at him. And yet, as soon as someone threatens him, she's there to defend him. Mm-hmm. And she was even willing to pull a gun on Red. She was, I mean, the hotel scene. Yeah, the, the, uh, the pin to the neck, it was early on. It was before she had any clue anything was going on. She was well in the know by season two when she mm-hmm. pulled the gun on Red, and yet she was willing to hold a gun on him to defend that man. And so it it speaks about the depth of the relationship that yeah that even though there were so many lies, she she had to have at least subconsciously known there was some truth there. And, and by that point, I think she did because I mean he he'd been willing to go to prison for the rest of his life, potentially to death row, to protect her. So. Yeah, I think uh, yet yeah, yeah, the, the the point, and we will talk more about you know their their turning points. But I think um, th- th- at this point, you know, she's she's desperate. She's she's uh, willing to to stab a criminal 
A known violent criminal. A known criminal in federal custody. He was mm-hmm. there in federal custody. And, I, I, and she's a federal agent. And so mm-hmm. she walked in with the trust of her organization that she was going to handle something correctly and stab the man in the neck. <laughs> he could have died. Yeah. He could have died. That, yeah. It was... It was, and, you know, and, and if, if you go back to season three, she has your temper. And, you know, look at what she does when she meets Rostov, punches him in the face, you know, and the goons, you know, and it, it was a lovely moment. And those those moments are, are so pure, Liz. Um, and the, the moments where I love her the most is when she does these things like that. And notice it's not an uncontrolled rage that... Liz is doing. However tempting it is to say, oh, she just has a really bad temper. Not really. She knocks down the lamp where the the camera is. Not the other lamp. Not the fruits on the table. Not the, no. The only thing she takes down is that lamp with the camera. So there is a, there is a ruthless, controlled side of Liz. Uh, that I think a lot of people miss because they they go with the outer emotion and they don't realize Liz is in her own way a little undercover agent. No, she's very good. She really is. And that's probably one reason she's so good at undercover work. And so, um, are, are we done with the Zamani bit? Or, uh... I, I, think, I think we are. Um, I, I think that one of the things that, that it would be good to establish, though, in, in the last thing in here is they, at this point, Red distrusts Tom, and Tom distrusts Red. And Liz is in the middle trying to hold on to her own sense of what do I think, what do my instincts tell me. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I, I love that scene there. And um, when, when he's in the hospital, on, you know, on the ventilator, she's not sure if he's going to make it. She said, you know, I just, I need you to wake up and tell me and, and, and tell me what's going on and, you know, defend yourself, I think is the phrase she used. Mm. And I also love the fact so much that they paralleled so nicely that scene where she said, I wish you could wake up and defend yourself, where she didn't know what was going on, where she didn't have the answers that she wanted. And then you parallel that in season three, where he's on the ventilator, you know, and uh, has been shot twice after doing something he shouldn't have been doing. And she trusts him because when she goes to Red, she doesn't know the entirety of what's going on, but she just waylays on him that, you know, he did what he did because you took his job away, because you forced him into a corner. And so mm. regardless, like, she, she's not... And, and I know we'll we'll delve into this better in season three, mm-hmm. but I, I do love that that's parallel there. That yeah. you have that, it's not just blind trust either. It's an understanding that is developed between them. And it's it's beautiful because I, and people that dislike the Keens together, I find often feel like she just, brushes the past aside and I don't think she does I think it's an understanding of why he did what he did uh there's a song that um that a friend of mine on uh on tumblr chrism23 made a video for that's just beautiful it's um 
uh, One Republic. And there's a line in this this song. It says, um, "I walked a minute in your shoes, and they never would have fit." And I figured there was nothing to lose. And Liz has walked in his shoes at that point. When she goes on the run, she's walked in Tom's shoes. She understands more the kind of things that are required in that life to survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's one of the reasons why she's so... It, one of the many reasons why she's able to react so differently. There's the mm-hmm. honesty between them and there's there's the understanding. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful parallel that you've got there in which at one point she doesn't understand and the other point she understands completely even without all the information. And as mm-hmm. she gets more information on it, she just understands more. And, yeah. But she's also not just rolling over and going, oh, it's okay, honey. She's like, no, you're stupid. You should never have done this. But I do get it. You know, just don't ever do it again kind of thing. And- I, I also think that, that Liz had been less than, than um, uh, honest with Tom about her own darkness, about her own illegality, the things that she had done that were illegal. I think that may, Tom may have known them or not because – Remember, Tommy's also under the, the. It goes both ways. How much they understand each other, and in versus in now versus in season one, because you see in season one how Tom tells Liz, "Oh, I know all your tales. You're an open book to me." And meanwhile, Liz has known about the box for weeks. Uh, she hasn't said anything to him. She hasn't said anything to the FBI. And hadn't Wrestler put a, a, a flag on him because Cooper told him? Forget it. They would have never known that Liz was keeping all these secrets. So, the the it's this is true on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Nowadays, you know that they at that time they were both keeping a mask. Whether, you know, and in the case of Tom, I think a lot of people get angry at him, saying, "Oh, there was all lies. He was lying to her. She was not being truthful." Well, that was he started without knowing what he was doing, he continued. And at that point, I mean, I don't know if it had happened, but there's a point where it's tough to go back and say, whoa, there's something tiny that I forgot to tell you. Like, my name is not my, what do you think my name is? Which wouldn't even matter at the end because that wasn't even his name either. Well, I don't think he knew that, but But no, you're absolutely right. It's like, I I keep wanting to ask people, okay, so... When exactly was that point that it became easy to say, I love you, honey. Let me tell you all my secrets. That's terrifying. Red hasn't done it. Why can you expect Tom to do it? And it doesn't make it right, but I do understand why he was more hesitant. And like we were talking about earlier, she has a habit of brushing things off that should be the foremost of their relationship. She didn't want to spend time with the baby. She didn't, you know, she was more willing to do work than her ultrasound, you know. All of these things about the family that should have been the foremost of her, her... Especially uh, saying that, oh, she wanted to have a family. Exactly. actions are very different. Exactly. And so she, you know, Tom's watching this and going, I, I can just see the wheels turning and him going, I can't do this. I cannot tell her this because if she's willing to put this in front of our child that we're trying to get, you know, because he says that in the pilot, he goes, you know, I want to do this with you, but I can't do it alone. And he repeats that to Red. 
when he's terrified, not knowing whether Liz made it or not in season yeah. three. There's also a, an interesting parallel um, that you have made in the past. I can't remember if it's over what media, but you've made it to me in particular. How the different in Tom's eyes when he wakes up the first time in that hospital, and you can see, and I've, I've watched the scenes ever since you told me, and I, I agree. The first time he wakes up in season one, he has no idea where he is. And he you see like the wheels, oh, 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 okay, this is where I am, this is where this woman is, versus season three when he wakes up and he knows exactly where he is. Oh, Ryan is so fantastic with it because he doesn't even blink. I don't understand it because he doesn't even blink. <laughs> and so you just get this shift in his gaze. And it's Jacob Phelps versus the persona of Tom Keene. And I've got, I, I never finished the set. I wanted to do, and I've talked a lot about this. I've discussed it in, in, on Tumblr and such. I've never done the full gift set because I'm lazy and never got around to it. But all you see these little glimpses throughout season one of Jacob within, you know, the back, back when Tom was still more or less a mask. I think it wasn't until season three that he finally decided, yeah, I'm staying Tom. You know, in which he became Tom Keen of sorts. And but there's some very interesting shifts there, like the one you just said that that he's he's waking up and and it's the shift into the innocent sweet school teacher, and I, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's something entirely visual. Mm-hmm. It's you know it, it there sometimes you get adjustments like this, and I and I always say. You know, Ryan is an actor that will go very, very far because this is the same kind of little adjustments that Spader does. They're tiny. It's it's a, it's a shift. It's a smile. It's a little tick. And what it does is it sells the story in a second instead of a lot of words. Um, and, and, you know, the, that's what they're doing. I I also want to touch on, on something here. Um Tom worked very hard to be everything that Liz wanted. But I also think that he was able to accomplish that because as any undercover, he drew into his own self. It wasn't that he became something he was not. He just pulled out of himself the things that he thought was Tom Keene. I, I, I tend to disagree that he stayed Tom Keene. Um, when I say I, he stayed Tom Keen, I mean by the name. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he, I, I he chose to keep name. that name. Yeah, the name, but but he, I think what both Liz and him understood, Liz, with the help of Red, when Red comes clean and tells him, tells her, he stayed because he loved you. That's when she's able to understand, okay, that is what hurt her. It wasn't the lies, it was that he didn't love her and it was red admitting to her no he did love you when she's like put starting to put things together even before that that there was some things that were true that there were some things that were not lies and you know they have that lovely conversation but that's for next podcast but for, in this in this part they have been both very happy and and Liz have had something and I think that is the part where Red wouldn't be able to to uh, kill Tom. And I think that, you know, if anything else, that should have been a clue of who Red is to Liz. 
that he he was not able to kill the man she loved. Which is not something we can say about Kirk. No. No. I, I think Kirk got, as Liz said, twisted when Katarina did what he did. Um, I think that Kirk... And one, this is one lovely thing to what you say that, you know, you keep saying always that Tom, the school teacher, would not have been able to survive in this world. And I think Kirk was the nerdy school teacher of Katerina. He was an honest businessman who had no idea and was not prepared to what happened in this world when Katerina targeted him, married him and created a whole reality for her. For him, and and I think that he collapsed. He was unable to, and and when he discovered his world went out of spiral, out of control, he he couldn't deal with it. And I think that had Liz married any other guy that was not an undercover, he would have been destroyed within months. It would have been divorce. I mean, because the man that Tom pretended to be, the innocent, sweet, you know, I mean, and he's sweet. He is when he chooses to be. He could also be a complete, you know, bastard and a half. But, but I mean, he he is the the, the persona he put on in season one when he was undercover. That man probably wouldn't have taken well to a bunch of coffee mugs getting tossed at him at all the things that you know had to have come up that's the one thing that you can go back on that's, that's canon that's been mentioned but you have to know that couldn't have been the only thing that happened during their first marriage before she found out about him that there mm-hmm. had to have been you know yell fest but he kept up with her because he was who he was and mm-hmm. and she needs someone that can keep up with her on an intelligence level on the the darkness level the thing i love one of my favorite things about the keens is that they help balance each other she you know he's on a very at the you know when you start in the beginning you see him on a very dark scale of gray she might be towards the lighter scale of gray ish it's hard to tell Mm. with her because she wears so many masks but you know compared to him she's on a lighter scale yeah Compared to him, we're looking at a comparison here, looking on that mm-hmm. level. Um, but they, as she moved darker, he moved lighter. And I think that they met somewhere in the middle mm. and found a balance there with each other that they couldn't have found with anybody else. People talk about, I remember when Gina showed back up, there was a big push for, oh my gosh, ship them so hard. And yeah, like... Gina and Jacob have a lot of chemistry. They would probably have a really good time together. But the entire point of Gina showing back up was to show how far he's gone. How far he's come when it comes to character growth. Mm. And that he's outgrown her. Uh, Yeah. Gina was an interesting thing to have happen because... You know, the more I see Red and Katerina in the whole story, the more I think that Red found out this hard way that Katerina was not Katerina. And I, I think that that, you know, he brings Gina in an, in an, with an object to get Liz to see the real Tom. And, you know, they got to be lovers because they were lovers. So that, you know, we tend to think that Red knows everything, but Red is really rehashing a lot of things through Tom. I think that there is a little confusion, Red and, and Tom and Katerina for Red. And 
at that point, he brings Gina, like, no, you got to find Gina, that's a lover. And Liz tells him, but there isn't. And Rent still can't let go. They, they wrote letters. They did something. The truth is they didn't at that point. They may have been lovers, but they obviously were lovers. But that's over. Um, from there on we go, I mean, we are, Liz discovers um, the hideout. Okay. I think. Uh, do we not want to go into the box first, that, that whole fiasco with the box? Oh, when they go to the, yes, that's Gina. That's, of course. Let's yeah, go there. I was going to say, from Gina to Gina. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gina, the box. That, you know, I, that's one of my favorite scenes. And when I saw that when Tom finds the box and you see that only uh, the scene of Tom finding the actual box is only seen when Liz is looking at the video that the that Apple Man made. Is it? Not, because, yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. It is striking the level of plotting they do in the blacklist because when you see it the first time, Tom is looking down in the hole, right? Mm -hmm. And he has his plaid shirt on, and you think, well, he's wearing plaid. And when I, once I started going into like, oh, plaid means there is something that is being hidden, it's not as it is. I thought, okay, well, of course, now it's the first time he's wearing plaid because he's the box. Um, it's only when he finds. When he, when he first finds it, he's just wearing a T-shirt. When he calls Liz and decides to play it, because he sits there and he talks about it, he calls her, he says, I can't talk about it right now. He puts a plaid shirt. That's when I, when I think he actually decided, I'm going, to, I'm going to find a way to keep on this job and keep doing what I'm doing. Well, like I said earlier, I, I really do think that it boils down to he wanted to tell her and then she put the job in front of what she thought was a conversation about their child and he was like if an innocent kid isn't going to get her attention and get her trust and her the forefront of her thought why on earth would she give me half a second and any trust at all like i think it terrified him and when tom especially season one tom when he got scared he fell back to what he knew and what he knew or what he knew at that point was lies in the job and undercover and manipulating the situation. And so that's that's what he knew, that's what he knew worked. And so that's what he fell on. And so when she comes in, I, I love that he's it, it's a very red moment, him sitting in that chair and waiting on her and pulling that box out and going, We need to talk. You know. Oh, that scene was awesome. Oh, it was. It was beautiful. And it was very red. Very, very much red. Something he would do. And then it cuts out, and then you get him back the next the next episode. And they're screaming and yelling, and he is just going on a tangent there about that it was her job that got him gutted. It was her job that did this. You know, it's not about him. It's about her. Yada. I mean, and he is just throwing the guilt trip on so heavily that it's not even funny and but that's what that's what you gotta do to keep what you're doing yeah. I, I, I think that in there a lot of people get very angry and I think they do something really interesting and I know I keep skipping ahead to forward but 
parallels. You, you guys know by this point, if you've been listening for any length of time, that Jen loves her parallels. Um, <laughs> like the air I breathe. Um, but the fight that they had in season four, after he he went behind her back and went on the op trying to get Agnes, when she's screaming at him and baiting him and everything, he's going, I don't want to fight you. I'm not going to have this conversation. He's very calm. He's not pushing blame. He's, you know, she's the one pushing blame and making radical statements and this and that. And so it's it's really interesting to see him undercover handling things versus him as him, as the dad, mm-hmm. as the husband handling things. It was very much Tom Bond having that argument with Liz rather than Tom Keen. Mm-hmm. He, he, did, he did what he had to do. And I think that one of the things in which... Um, you look at things always more on the character development, which in which you're thoroughly awesome. Um, I look at things more from my uh, my own theory, and and to me, what I see is Tom was not aware of what he was doing, but Tom distrusted Red. Tom thought Red is using this. And I have to protect Liz. And I think that one of the things that a lot of Tom detractors and Tom haters and anti-kins tend to gloss over or not quite understand is for, and, and we've heard your character development, which I think it's not a conflicting view. They're just... These are very layered characters. So there is a point of view that is, you know, we're all human, independently of what genre we're watching, is we're watching human characters. But we are also watching a genre. And the genre of the mystery, the spy, the stakes are so high, you're talking in a hyper-reality. Uh, yeah, that's what Megan called it on The Blacklist Exposed, is a hyper-reality. I love that phrasing. It's, it's very yeah. accurate. Yeah. And and for and if you're a real fan of the genre, you know that people in this world act very strange. Most people don't hack ahead to go ask people if they know the guy. They just take a picture. <laughs> but it's so much more effective when you hack the head and you come with a head in a bag. You know that that it's so most people that they're gonna shoot people don't douse them in alcohol put a cigar on them then have this whole conversation with the poor guys after they told you what they knew and they shoot them because you know suspense is killing them yet with red it works because it's a hyper reality so what is that and red does it in a in a very fun kind of way so you tend to forget what you're seeing you're seeing hyper reality you're seeing the stakes being so high that it makes perfect sense what red is doing he needs an answer and that most expedient way because it combines fear and horror and and is shocking it's the head for tom who lives in exactly the same world as red that hyper reality is he feels something for this woman. He may not even be aware that he's deeply in love with her. But what he does know is Liz is in a verdict of danger. Red for Tom is using Liz. And Red is a ruthless man 
who has no compulsion about killing anything that bothers him or he doesn't need anymore or maybe a loose end. In, in Tom's world, loose ends die. Berlin is another dangerous, scary man that is using Liz to get to red. And the only thing standing, protecting Liz in his view, it's himself. I think that when you look at it this way, this is what Tom sees. Red and, and Berlin coming at each other and using Liz as a bait. He's not aware that his, Liz is, is, is Red's uh, daughter. He's not aware that Berlin has no intentions of hurting Liz. We find that out later, but at this point, the only thing we know is Liz is in danger and I'm the only one that can protect her. And a lot of Tom's actions from this point on will be informed by that, by that knowledge that he's the only thing protecting Liz. And when he hits her in the warehouse, and when she illegally enters the warehouse and he's not prepared, he does whatever he needs to do. Because in his mind, to me, it's, if I don't stay with her, she will die. So I'd rather hit her than her dying. Uh, I will lie to her because if I don't do it, she will die. So he does whatever he needs to do to stay with her on the job protecting her. There was an interview uh, ages ago of Ryan and someone told him that his their favorite scene of Tom was, was the, the warehouse scene where he hit her in the face and, and ran off. Mm. He said, well, that's twisted, but okay. <laughs> um, and his response was that, that Tom is basically what you just said, uh, that, that Tom's kind of the perfect soldier type, that he's a soldier doing what he has to do to get the job done. And then, just as you said, his job to himself is to protect Liz. That is his job. He tells her that as he holds her at gunpoint after their fight in the house and everything. And, um, I'm one of the good guys. Yeah, I'm one of the good guys. And that, that, that's something I keep going back to, keep going back to every time. It's, uh, what, what did you say? A pin in your, <laughs> a pin stuck mm-hmm. in your brain. You're like, that, that's one of mine, <laughs> the, the, the good guy comment. Cause it took me a long time to really come to terms with that. And I, I have my theories about that now, especially after his talk with Gina in season three. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Ryan's interview very much supports what you just said. Absolutely. And oh, I, I never saw true. that interview, but yes, uh, it makes sense for me. And, and that's one I, I wish people that don't like Tom would make the exercise of imagining that somebody that you love and you cannot tell them because they would never believe you. Liz would have stabbed him, shoot him, get him in a hole. She was she was willing to take red and jump him in a hole to be interrogated for the rest of his life she was perfectly fine because she was angry with him it's he's doing what he has to do yeah and 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 it's wrong it's not the loving way but the alternative is not sitting down and having a lovely conversation and maybe have a little fight and go to a marital therapy the alternative is goodbye Liz Liz dead yeah. End of story. And and to be fair to Tom, something that people seem to forget a lot during that scene, 
he does everything he can to avoid that confrontation. And he, when she comes in, she, he realizes she's there. He burns everything. And he goes out the back to try to get around because it seems like there's only one exit there. Goes and uses those those uh, sheets drying out there to shift around, to get around, trying to get to the door. And he hides behind the door. Not so that he can hit her in the face with it. He hides behind it hoping she's going to go. That she's going to think it's empty. She's going to leave, call for backup, and he can leave from there. And when she doesn't, when the door moves and she's coming back around, that's when he takes the extreme measures. He does everything he can in his power to avoid that confrontation. And it's really funny because when she gets home, he's making dinner. He's... You know, he is the sweetest person in the world. And you have to know that he is just, I know that I can't tell you that I'm apologizing, but this is an apology dinner. I feel horrible about this. And guilt is not something that Tom's accustomed to. So that's, you know, that must have been something else that kind of went along with the loving her. How odd that feels, that that guilt that works its way in with him. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um... That moment when she realizes that 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 was him, and 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 you know you know to be fair, yes, he hit her. She doesn't even need you know emergency service. It's a horrible thing to have done. But again, this is not your regular guy who throws a beer at you like you know the Good Samaritan because whatever the beer wasn't cold enough or the dinner the dinner was not on the table when I wanted to eat. Or I don't know. You talk back to me. This is a whole different thing. It's it's you know, I, I would balk at calling this abuse. It's not abuse. This it's is spy on spy. And and it's uh you know it, it's a hyper reality that you cannot compete. You cannot make because I have never seen anybody who takes a pen and drop it on my table. Um, I have really? never. Really, I had that happen just last week. Oh, did you react well or was it surprising? I did, you know, I was like, dude, he was nice. What'd you do? Um. <laughs> and, you kidding, know, my mom kidding. Is, my mom is not a, a, a KGB spy. Um, you know, I, I that's not the world of anybody. So, you know, I'm sure there is a, the world of some people, but they don't really watch the blacklist or, you know, hate Tom Keene. They probably know exactly what Tom Keene feels. So to me, you've got to really look at those scenes as what they are. And then Liz is awesome. Liz is able to control her face, control her emotions, and make her spy husband believe he's perfectly fine. And you would assume probably sit through dinner as well. Because like I said, he was making dinner. And Mm -hmm. so if she just went, I have to go, that would have set something off. Because at... Until she it's walks through that, day. until she, uh, no, I think it's later that night. It looks like night when she goes to, oh, to Red's okay. place. Um, but, but, um, it, it's still, if she had just left before dinner, as he was cooking dinner, that would have set off all the alarm bells. He would have known something was going on. And while I do think that he had some inclinations that she might have known, I think he was doing the best he could to ignore it. And if she had just left that night, he couldn't have ignored that. I I think he was, that was Tom's mistake. 
is to think that she he knew how to read her and probably you know one that he learned never ever to do again was to underestimate Liz if you look at him later in season two at the end of season two on the boat there's there's the conversation where she's sitting there and she's going uh, you know she's saying I, I just wish I'd gotten on your boat you know and and I know what I want and he just he keeps asking her to spell it out for him he's he, he keeps asking that. He he won't take the insinuation. He's like, no, you, you've got to say it very blatantly to me. I think it really spooked him that he couldn't read her as well as he thought. I think it yeah. threw him for a loop. And so, and... And, and probably make him fall even more in love with her. Yeah, because you have to know that it's nice, that he can't just predict everything. You know what I mean? It's... Things a magic back. Yeah. You know, for regular people, be bringing some flowers when you don't expect or you know making sure that the coffee's made for spices i can't read you it's, oh my god i love you so much you know she could actually throw a surprise party for him that he didn't see coming it's cute it's precious you know mm-hmm. I, I love my spy couples and so you, you've got that and so I, I think the last thing we have on the agenda for tonight is that mr and mrs smith slash mr and mrs keen fight is that the last yeah, one we I mean, have, we, and then we we'll go, split it off into the next yeah, one? Yeah, the, the, before this, we got, you know, Liz, Liz goes to Red. They have a very interesting conversation in which, you know, says it's just business. And and that is where Liz's heart starts to break when, when, because I think, and if you watch those scenes, you know that Red is talking from his heart. This is not something he knows. This is something he lived. Yeah, well, now we do. I didn't know yeah. that at the time. I didn't know that until recently. Honestly, I hadn't read that scene that way until you mentioned it last week on the podcast. I was very I, I, angry I, over that. Uh, something interesting. The wedding vows. And the, the wedding vows are very interesting to me because they're both saying things under in an undercurrent and yet they're both saying things are right. Liz is telling him this is going to be a hell of a ride. And it was. It still is. <laughs> Tom's comments are what what really stick with me. And so uh, Tom's vows that he used, I think that was his last-ditch effort. I think that he knew things were about, you know, the, the crap was about to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, this was his last-ditch effort to go, please trust me you know basically and the lines are when I'm with you Liz I feel like I don't need to pretend Hmm. I know that you accept me for who I really am and that is so telling and that's a gift I thank God for every day and so those lines to me I think he was trying desperately to say you do know me I know that you don't think you know me but you know the man underneath all the lies, the, the truth and the lies. And and I think he was desperate for her to hear him there. And she didn't. Um, I, I, would, oh, I would kill to find out what their vows were they wrote for that second wedding. I imagine those were yeah. breathtaking. But look, at, look at this also, because when we go into, when, when Liz is reading the journal on season four, he says... Um, she was assigned to him to be in his life the way you were assigned to be in mine. 
and Tom answers, for which I'm all forever grateful. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is, he was telling Liz that, exactly, that I, I love you and you know me and I am grateful for you. It's also interesting, you know, Liz is telling him this is going to be a hell of a ride, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have fun. And I think that to me that is exactly what Red did. Upon finding out who Katerina was, I think Red did exactly what he um, advised Liz to do. Shut up, play the game, find as much as he does. He was also chest deep in filth, and he felt filthy and horrible, and he did what he had to do. So I don't think that, you know, when he said it was business, I don't think he meant Tom. I think that that's what he felt about Katerina. I think it takes Red up until they go into season four and he says as much as he paints to say that was the only woman I loved. I think that up until then, he was for sure that Tom, that Katerina didn't love him and and therefore that Tom didn't love Liz. I, I think it was a big thing for Red to be able to say to Liz, you know, Tom loves you. Yeah, he I do. Stayed with you because he loved you. Drugs and all. Um, <laughs> the the next, I guess, big thing on our docket would be the uh, the newlyweds. That that's a big one. Because oh, that goes right there. After I I have heard I have a lot of issues. People that know me very well on Tumblr know that I I try to be really nice. I, I really do, but I have a lot of issues with people that throw certain terms around. Rape is not a joke. Rape is not to be made light of. Real women have real situations. And to toss it out there for... And, and I know some people have gotten caught up in the argument and are not trying to do this. But someone back at the beginning, I am convinced, knew what they were doing. <laughs> and... This is not rape. This is two people playing each other. It is twisted. It is wrong. But it is not rape. It was consensual. She was not afraid for her life. I'm sorry, but there. she is a clever, clever woman. And I will fight someone on that. Elizabeth Keene is smart. And if she wanted a way around that, she would have found it. She was obviously not afraid to fight this man, full on, in their living room. And so the fact that she slept with him was to keep her cover, not because she was terrified of him. If she was terrified of him, she would have gone, oh, well, here's my excuse. Oh, look, wrestler's calling me. There's an op. I have to go. You know, or there's an assignment. I have to go. She would have found a way. You know, even, even the headache, like she would have found, I've heard so many people go, oh, she wouldn't fake a headache. But fine. She would have faked an assignment. I mean, like there are so many easy ways that, that it would have made him, you know, come, come out, you know, to, to have gone against it. And so she chose, and yes, it made her feel dirty. It's because she thought her husband didn't love her. Yes. That's that exactly it's, it's so. not because he lied to her while that was a huge thing. She thought he was lying about loving her. That was mm-hmm. her biggest issue. That's why sleeping with him made her feel dirty. But she chose to sleep with him there. And he chose to sleep with... I can't imagine that was very good sex, to be honest. Like that... 
Maybe he was, you know? Uh, neither one of them seemed very <laughs> excited about that situation. <laughs> but uh, regardless you, of that, it still... I, yeah, and I always say something, and I know there we defer. I think you think Tom was kind of unsure if she knew. I think, you know, she's giving him, like... Talking to to Craig and the fake brother and telling him, no, she doesn't know anything. I know how to read her. You think I'm going to ask her to renew her to get her in bed? Um, you know, you're already getting that build up to that situation. And I think that a lot of people tend to forget again that, and it's fine to forget it then. We were meant to read it wrong then. But when you get new information in a show like this, you get to go back and, and kind of reevaluate your entire clues. And now look at the entire clues. You see, this is probably what Red did. And Red probably felt deep in filth. Go back to that scene and watch it when he's telling her that it was business. Um, and time is the only thing that is going to make you feel whole again. And you see how Red is not talking about her. Red is talking it's, about himself. It's very emotional for him right there. You're right. Yep. It's incredibly emotional. And, and we've talked about many times that Red is good about not being emotional about things. And so the fact that he was so emotional there is very telling. Yep. And, and he knew exactly what Liz was saying. Do you think that a man is going to actually leave his daughter in a dangerous situation or in a rape situation, he didn't. He wouldn't. The only reason he was fine with Liz is because he knew that Liz was in no immediate danger. Just as, and he was just he. She was asking her to do what he has done with Katerina to keep her safe, Annie, to find out the truth. And are you really gonna tell me that Liz? as we've come to know her over four, you know, three and a half seasons at this point, has never withheld sex from her husband. I mean, everybody got, you know, you got, um, I, I don't I mean, want to. I got a headache. I got to get yeah. up early tomorrow. Hey, I got an, I forgot to tell you, but I got an assignment and I got to be at the office um, at four in yeah, the Yeah, it's the like, morning. I'm sorry. I took off for this fake, you know, vow renewals, but I got to go now because, I, I, you know, I took off in the middle of the afternoon, but now I have to go back for several hours. You know, it's, it, there are things that could have been used. It doesn't take a very clever mind, and Elizabeth Keene is a very clever woman. It would have been fine. And it, it really bothers me when, this is a hot topic issue for me, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Gotten a little, little uh, emotional myself there. But it's, it's something that really bothers me when people throw the rape comment out. And the rape and the abuse comments get me. Because it's, I know some people really believe it. And I'm not really as much talking to those people. I, I don't agree with them, but I'm not as much talking to those people as the ones that if you really get down to it, they're using those terms to shut people up. That bothers yeah. me. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It is understanding of the genre. I mean, look at mm -hmm. James Bond. You think every time James Bond sleeps with one of those women, he really wants her or love her? No. You think any of those women are sleeping with him because they love him or, or deep affection? No. You know, that doesn't make them hoarse. It doesn't make it rape. It's, it's things that people do. There is no difference than having, you know, truly 
you know, when it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything. You, it's like having dinner or having anything. It's, it's a, in the spy world, it means very different from normal world. Again, it's not a woman that would have been beaten up if it says she's the one that goes into jumps in the shower with him. That is always initiating sex. Most of the time, when we see them in that kind of situation, is her initiating it. So no, it doesn't fly with me on any level, on character, on on gender, or anything. And again, go back to the scene. And watch it when Red is talking to her about it, and you'll see the reasons Red this hates Tom is not so much for Tom as it is for Katerina. So a lot of what people say, oh, I hate Tom because uh, Red hates Tom, or Ray won, he wanted him gone. No, no. Look back in the scenes with the information that, that we have now, and it would be a whole different scene. And from there on, I think we go right into um, in, into when he finds that Tom is gone. She comes home. He's found the music box. He talks to her. Uh, she He's seen her at the... Uh, he the... saw her. Oh, you know he did, because he tries to call her on it to see if she's going to lie to him. And she straight up lies to him. He's and you can see it, you know, briefly flicker across his face that this is done. It's over. Yeah, it's and over. it's killing him. And, and he kisses he her, tries. and she doesn't kiss him back. Did you ever notice that one? No. When she when he leans in uh, to say, you know, I'm gonna go walk the dog. Can you watch the water for me to make sure it doesn't boil over? He kisses her, and she's just just stands there. And then he goes and puts a leash on Hudson to take him out. Something I'd like to point out. Um, you know, big, mean, spy, Tom, horrible person, Doesn't evil man. Doesn't dog out. Thank you. Lives in the vestibule. I'm a dog owner, and any man who would have left taking the dog and leave him in the streets, that would have been a no-no. Forget I don't care about if you... Rape. He, that would have been a bad man. I don't want him. Exactly. <laughs> That's a dog you're talking about, your best friend. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and no, no, notice the other thing that he does. He didn't have to go back to that house. He knew it was over. He had seen her. He was trying to salvage the relationship. Had he said, had she said in that moment, yes, it was me, what were you doing there? Maybe the conversation would have gone the other way. And I think that so. Was- I, and I, I always have felt like Tom always kind of wanted to be pushed into telling her the truth, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. on kind of a subconscious level, that he wanted to, but he was scared of it, kind of like Red. I mean, Red keeps going back and forth, I'll tell her. I mean, obviously, Red had the the paper that he had with the caretaker that he burned. Mm -hmm. You know, he obviously had precautions set up to, to tell Liz everything, and then he keeps backtracking on it. I think Tom did that quite a bit in season one. That he wanted to be forced into that corner where she said, where basically she said, I'm giving you one chance. You tell me the truth and we're going to talk this out. Mm-hmm. And and then he would have. But it just never really panned out that way. Because as soon as she found out about him, she started playing him and then he was playing her. And it just snowballed on them. And I go there to another one of the conversations of Red and Liz, the tango conversation, the Russian milonga, because a lot of people misread that. Red is not talking 
But anything else than him and Katerina, that's what him and Katerina did. And that is what Tom and Liz are doing. It's a, it's a tango, it's a milonga. They're, you know, they're opponents. Each one wants something, the other one. They have the truth between the two of them. That's what they're doing. And, you know, I'm sure that, that, that did Red and Katerina ever had a fight? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, the, the, the red we see nowadays is not the red 30 years ago. Oh, absolutely. That's a whole different man. But at, at any point, you know, they're there. Um, he takes the time to tell her she was beautiful that day, that she's beautiful that moment. He's saying goodbye to this woman he loves. And I think in that moment it hits him. He is utterly in love with him, with her. And she's saying she's beautiful. She's saying he loved her. He's saying goodbye to his dog. And that is a moment that breaks my heart. He didn't have to do any of it. He could have just left after seeing Liz. And he risked all that for that for that moment, for that goodbye. Mm-hmm. And that to me that is Probably among the kings, I'm going to say the most tender of them to me. And I'm not a romantic because it is utterly unnecessary. Yeah, it's a chance. It's a a small hope, as he said in season two. Mm -hmm. And so he leaves and he doesn't fight her. He doesn't start. He just leaves. And he calls us back up and says that she knows he gets uh, extracted and then Red sends people in to forcibly bring him back. And so Red initiates the violence, um, brings and him... And lifts him tied to the chair. Yeah, tied to the chair, uh, uh, duct taped, and Liz interrogates him. And the first time he shows any... I mean, he's obviously trying to escape because he tries to knock the, the water glass over mm-hmm. and all this... And I keep going back to that conversation. People are like, I- I've seen people on Tumblr say, that's when I knew he didn't care. Something to, to point out is that when when someone doesn't handle their emotions well, and Tom doesn't, Tom, Tom's gotten a lot better, but season one Tom is not season four Tom. Season one Tom had spent very little time with his own emotions. Looking into his own emotions, dealing with his own emotions, he'd spent more time under other people's masks, wearing other masks of other people's emotions, and living with those. And so when he's put in a situation in which there's very real, deep emotions, he loves this woman, she's begging him to say something to his wife who is dying in front of him. He has he two options. He can't handle that. He, he, he can handle that. He's Yeah, there's two options. He can be honest and risk his heart shattering and her heart shattering and everything he doesn't he can't handle or he can piss her off because anger is a much easier emotion to deal with than heartbreak i've done that and i'm having been tied to a chair with a psychopath coming to kill me because i don't have the protection of her love anymore so i've done it anger is a much easier way to deal with than when people are begging you and in pain Anger is easy. You go back in anger and you get out of it. It's satisfying. It's like a dog barking. It's his own reward. Yeah. And so he pushes on that route. He goes that way because I mean, he, he's been married to her for two years. He knows what gets gets her riled. And so he goes after her on that. 
he didn't once lunge at her. Yeah, I mean, granted, he's tied to a chair, but we have seen him headbutt with the best of them. Um, <laughs> and so, like, he didn't make, you know, any sort of threats to her. He just pissed her off. So what does she do? Her go-to is to go get a pair of pliers from the kitchen drawer and break his thumb. And notice that Tom thinks that he can read this woman, you don't have it in you. Oh, baby, you're about to get a surprise. She does have it in her. Oh, and I think that was the first, and I think that's one of the reasons he was so, that he thought she was going to kill him on the boat. I don't think before that he would have ever said that. Um, but anyway, and so she breaks his thumb. He uses that to get out. He fights her until, because she continues to fight back. If he had slammed the chair into her and she didn't get up, I think he would have left right then. If he knocked her out. She, she's the one that comes at him as yeah. soon as he gets out. And in yeah. a second, that and I to me that 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 fight a lot of people get very bothered by. It. To me, I mean we've we've seen Tom Keane in action. Tom Keane took five, four or five really psychopathic Russian mobsters, unarmed because he came out there. He was thoroughly unarmed. He has been beaten down. His he had been. He was destroyed, and he killed them all, except for character that he wanted alive. Exactly. He, we've seen him do it in the bar. He took, he went in the bar, look at the biggest guy in the bar, and took him out. Yep, that's what okay. he, he's good. He is very good in close hand-to-hand -hand combat situations. If he had wanted to hurt Liz, he could have. Instead, he got the gun because if she'd gotten the gun, she would have killed him. And he got the gun. Held her gunpoint. bookcase on him. Yeah, I love that scene actually. I, I know that's a little that's twisted, great. but I love uh, the bookcase coming down. <laughs> and her face in it. it oh, we see a little bit of her face when she when she runs down the freelancer in, in in episode two, and I saw that face and I said, "Oh no, baby, this woman ain't ain't any saint. She's a well, badass." Yeah, I mean, she she clocks him in the jaw. She throws a bookcase at him. She holds her own against this trained operative. She's good. and But mm -hmm. I also think he was holding back quite a bit. Anyway, he mm -hmm. gets the gun, holds her gunpoint. He could have killed her. He could have knocked her over the head with the gun. Which, you know... If Taking her hostage to yeah. protect herself against Red. Exactly. Have instead, something to bargain. Instead, he, he hands her her, her uh, handcuffs and says, Cuff yourself to the banister. Tells her that he's not a bad guy, tells her where to go look for evidence, basically hands her, this is who killed your father, and says, goodbye, Liz, and walks out. And he leaves. And I think that, that one important thing is, again, Red is Liz's father, and he was in a car outside knowing that she was thoroughly alone, she was a rookie, she was liable to make a mistake, he wasn't inside. He would not for a second would have left Liz alone if she, he thought she was in trouble. In fact, the, I, when he comes in the house, he doesn't even go and runs to her. He looks at the destruction, kind of like, yeah, oh, one of those arguments, huh? Saunters. He saunters in. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and she's sitting on the couch, and it just... Uh, with the 
lens to look through it of Katarina now, it all makes so much more sense. Yes. And, and is is worth for, you know, it, of course, if you hate Tom and you're happy hating Tom, um, that sounds very weird. But if you're happy hating Tom. It should sound uh, weird. Being yeah. happy to hate something should sound weird. That's that's inappropriate. <laughs> but, but if you are happy hating Tom, I mean, there's nothing that is going to make you not hate Tom. But if you have the slight thing of why a lot of people actually like Tom, go back with the view of what we learn about Katerina so that you realize that a lot of things that Red is saying, it's not about Tom. It's about him and Katerina. This is painful for Red. I don't think that we have had any inclination up until now of the level of pain that Red has been in. He's He, he braces for him and he's good at not showing it, but Red has been in incredible pain, not just in seeing his daughter going through this, but in rehashing what it felt for him. And you see it in any of those, like, you know, there is nothing wrong with you. That's what love is, not being in control. And, you know, time is the only thing that will allow you to find yourself. All of those things is is him talking from his own heart about his own experience. Absolutely. I do agree with that. And and I was talking to someone today. I said, you know, I, I felt like that. You know, Liz and, and Tom parallel greatly Red and, and Kat, but Katarina, but that Liz and Tom are the ones that broke away from it. They're the one, And I, I do hope if Katarina's alive, which I think she is, I hope Red gets a second chance with her because the, those, those stories make me absurdly happy. <laughs> you know, the, the love lost and destroyed and utterly obliterated and then get a second chance. I love second chance stories. I love redemption stories. So. And obviously, and obviously, Red has a thing for women like that because if you look at, at Madeline Pratt, I mean, mm-hmm. they may not have gone on hand-to-hand combat, but they tried to kill each other regularly. Yeah, you know, she basically threw him into the Earl King. Um, in a heist, he could have gone killed. It could have been an international incident. That's foreplay, as he calls it. So. Yeah. There is there is a spy thing. There is this heightened reality that happens. And I think that before we finish this part, even though it doesn't apply to Red, to listen, Tom, we should really look at Jolene and, and Jolene's actions towards Liz and actions and then Tom killing her. Because a lot of people say, oh, he was involved with her. No, he wasn't. He kissed her. You know, I... We've done things, stupid things. That doesn't mean that we are involved in a relationship with her. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and touch on that before we wrap up. Um, I, we kind of got off the... It's, it's There's so much information. So much information to cover. Um, yeah, absolutely with Jolene. It's She was an undercover agent who came in with the... And this is another complacency issue. I think that she was... Which I've always had issues with Jolene because she was obviously good enough to fool Tom for a while, but she was also seemed to have a lot of things she wasn't very good at. You know, like by the time Tom figured her out, I feel like once he figured it out, she became a very stupid spy. <laughs> like she was in way over her head. I have a thing with that. Um, I know that it seems 
that Tom knew didn't know who she was. And I was on board with that. I was like, oh, my God, he just found that and all that. Now, I want to point out two weird things theory-wise. When you go to the board, and that's not that far after they come back from that trip, Tom has tons of pictures of Jolene following Red throughout the entire season up until then. So that's the first thing that got me thinking that things are not exactly as they seem. And the second thing is when, when Tom gets the cowboy, he asks, who sent you? And he's not sure if he's Reddington or he's uh, two other people. So it's a Lumba day I, and someone else. Yeah. Yes. So there is two people there that he, it may be the Reddington group. It may be other people. I really hope um, that comes back around. Cause I, I've always assumed that has to do with prior ops. Mm-hmm. And I really want that to come back around because I want to know about that. In this particular case, it, it leads me to one thing. Either after he came back, he started gathering information. But how could he gather information from things that have happened before? There is pictures of Jolene following Red in Cuba. There is pictures of Jolene following Red in a lot of other places, plus her entire file. So I have a feeling that Tom knew who Jolene was. And Tom thought that Berlin was testing him or that someone else, that other people was testing or that Red had sent him. Or so he was seeing, he was seeing all this play out. And I think that when he, when Liz uh, Colson says that she, you know, le- leaves him with a dinner and the beautiful dinner, beautiful table set up, gorgeous dinner cooked I think that Tom decides, okay, this is a point where I'm going to start finding out what on earth is going on with Jolene. Um, he's hurt. And I so think he goes, that he goes back nasty. to what he knows. He goes back yes. to what he knows. I'm going to just use this opportunity to go at her. And, and he uses that because it's the only way he knows how to react. But the fact that he had all these pictures of, of, of Jolene Parker, which by the way, was not an innocent woman. She was an operative. And the fact that she had hired the the uh, uh, alchemist meant that he there was a woman who died so that she could have a fake death. There was a body there that looked like her to fake her death. So not exactly what I would call as outstanding citizen. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is the woman. And so he obviously knows that she's dangerous. Depending on if uh, you assume she works for Berlin. Tom knows she's dangerous. And suddenly she's showing up at his house. Exactly. And she's so, threat. That's a threat. Yeah. And so he, she shows up at his house, at his home, with his wife. And he gets very testy about that because he's scared. Because not only is it possible that she's going to hurt Liz, but also blow, her, blow his cover, which to him at the time would hurt Liz, both emotionally mm-hmm. and potentially physically if he wasn't there to protect her from things she doesn't know were coming. Exactly. And so when I hear people talk about, you know, Jolene was innocent, I, I have to stop for a moment and gather myself because that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't imagine a scenario in which Jolene Parker was an innocent soul. I mean, she just wasn't bright enough to realize that as soon as she hung up, the, the cowboy was absolutely right. As soon as she hung up that phone, she was a dead woman. 
And well, she was a dead woman way before, because if you notice, she gets out of there. The time passes because a cowboy sees her, snaps a picture. Cowboy meets with Red, tells him what he knows. Red tells him, fetch her. And he goes after after Jolene. And all throughout this time, Tom is following Jolene. And what does Jolene does in that interim? She gets a phone call. She calls Berlin and then throws, breaks the phone, throws it down. So you know, Tom knows she already told Berlin what she learned. And what she learned is he's talking about his wife. He's talking about his house. She's not talking about her target or it's, she knows how real it is for Tommy. She knows Tom is compromised. Absolutely. And so, therefore, she became a threat both to him and to Liz. And so the fact that he, I mean, we've seen Red kill for Liz. I mean, uh, multiple times. I, I can't even list them all. How many times Red, think... has, Red has killed for Liz. So, I mean, this is not, in the scope of this show, in the scope of this heightened reality, this was not anything beyond he was protecting his wife and protecting himself that's that's all it boils down to it wasn't him abusing an innocent woman that couldn't fight back that's not what this was you know i i have a friend on tumblr that we keep joking you know that when uh you know when the black widow out of marvel gets into a fight do people call it abuse you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. you know when a, when supergirl gets into a fight do you call it abuse you know it's mm-hmm. it, just because they're women doesn't mean they can't fight that's that's not how you approach life mm. You know, um, yeah, so he kills her, and I think that he kills her with his bare hands as opposed to the cowboy with a gun because it was personal. Kind of like Gina, kind of like Gina and Liz. Mm-hmm. He was, he was tired and, and he wanted to make it personal. And there were a lot of emotions going at that point because that was right after the adoption had been canceled. He was spiraling, and this woman was threatening the last thread of sanity he had left in his his little perfect life that he was desperate to keep and so yeah it was very personal for him he was pissed and he was scared and everything you know yeah and then Liz gets in the shower with his bloody hands yeah and so uh, I just can't imagine why would you not scrub your hands off why would you drive home like that Oh, Oh, because he made a good scene. It did, and that's what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. All right, so I think that wraps us up for for this particular one, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. Okay, well, the wonderful thing about the Keens, and I say this, as a Keen squared shipper, I I try to say this, because I feel like so many people that don't ship Keen squared that are anti-Keen squared feel like people gloss over things, and I really don't... Like, personally, I don't understand that because I know I don't. I I feel like the darkness that they have seen, the terrible things that have happened, one, they have reasons behind them, but two, a great deal of those reasons is that saints don't need redemption arcs. Sinners do. You know, it's, these people have dark situations in which they need to be redeemed from and so that darkness helps to highlight the light that comes up later that highlights the the better times so going over these darker times the season one moments the and we'll go into season two the next the next podcast 
highlighting well, these. We still got a big chunk of season one. Yeah, yeah, the, the end of season one into season two uh, yeah. in the next podcast. Mm-hmm. But focusing on this and acknowledging this, you it just makes it all the more for the redemption that they found. And it's beautiful. It's, it really is a beautiful story, in my opinion. And it's one of the things that makes it such a great arc. It, it is. And I feel redeemed because the more now we find about Red and Katerina... The, because I always said Liz and Red and Liz and Tom reflect every single theme of the show, and that's the reason I like them and I like them together. And now that we've seen that Katrina was an under what kind of spy she was, she was an undercover, she was a honey trap, but moreover, she was an undercover. We're seeing how much of what the hate of Tom in Red really is. It's not so much about Tom, it is about Katrina. And I I'm feel like, yes, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it gives me a little happy uh, feeling about that. It's nice when things make sense because I, I've had so many things that I've I've kind of had a, a mental run of, well, these are things that don't that really irritate me about red. And suddenly they're making more sense that it's not so much that it was just him being controlling and a control freak, and, and he is, we've discussed that, but it's not like in a, in a bad way, it's, he's human, he's trying to handle some extreme emotions, mm-hmm. and they're not always handled correctly, and that's, you know, that doesn't make it right, but it also makes it human. And it makes perfect sense of what we were saying in our podcast about Red and Tom, how the Growth of Red is really seen against Tom because it's this growth against the same situation that basically destroyed his life. Absolutely, yes. And and with that, I think we can wrap it up. And I uh, hope we join us for our next one where we go from the next time Tom and Liz meet, which is when he takes her at gunpoint into uh, when he leaves in his boat and uh, Liz is uh, living with Red yes. in season two, in 222. And so that, that'll be the, the, the darkest moments and the, uh, the redemption arc. And I know that a lot of people left some comments about our question of the week. We'll probably cover that at the end of next week's, uh, just to, because we're going to be recording these back to back. And so we'll, we'll go ahead and cover those. Keep next leaving week. them. Yes, absolutely. Please keep leaving them. We love, we love the comments, and we love to be able to discuss um, our opinions with you guys. Absolutely. So you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. And obviously you can listen to us on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And so we hope to hear some feedback from you. We hope that we're making this hiatus a little easier for you guys, because I know personally hiatus kills me every time. It does. They're terrible. It's it's not fun. It's like I'm stressed during the show, and then when the show stops, I'm going, no, wait, come back. I want that stress Well, my crazy theories grow like mushrooms, but (laughs) what can I do? They come in at night, you know, they like stealth uh, things and and pins in my brain, and now I got to like go at them. But anyway, hope we make this easier for you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.